New York Times, March 18th, 2022. This month, a volcanic rock split in two in Niko National Park, about 100 miles north of Tokyo. Intact, the rock was about 6 feet tall and 26 feet in circumference, according to a guide at the park. It had long been associated with a Japanese legend in which an evil fox spirit haunts a killing stone, or a seki in Japanese, making it deadly to humans. Some people have, a, have speculated Some people have speculated that the fracture set the fox loose to cause further harm. Others have focused on a variation of the legend that ends on a happier note. In that telling, after a Zen monk splits the rock into several pieces and coaxes out the fox, she promises never to harm humans again. Tonight, on the Dreary Midnight Podcast, the fox spirit, Tamama no Mai. Good evening, and welcome to the Dreary Midnight Podcast. My name is Lisa, my pronouns are she, they, and, well, I started doing deep dive research onto a completely separate topic. But I heard about this story about a month ago, or a couple weeks ago, on um, two very different sources. Uh, one was NPR, and the other was We Need to Talk About Ghosts. Um, shout out to Kev from We Need to Talk About Ghosts. You should absolutely go listen to him. If you're here, you've probably already heard of him. But anyway, go listen to We Need to Talk About Ghosts anyway. Other source that I initially heard about this from was Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which is the comedy news show. But both great shows, very different vibes, but still. Instead of doing uh, History Mystery today, we are doing um, the Sesho Seki, the Japanese killing stone. That one that's been stored to hold a thousand-year-old fox spirit called Tamama no Mai, and which just broke open. So let's start with the tale of Tamama no Mai. According to earliest stories, she was a favored courtesan of Emperor Toba, who reigned in the early 12th century. She was known to be able to answer any question posed to her, and some sources say she glowed in the dark. She was pretty, she knew everything, she was absolutely not suspicious at all. Eventually, the Emperor grew sick. He called in his diviner, Abe no Yasunari. He did some checks and concluded that the sickness came from Tamamo. When Tobo was all like, oh my god, what? The hot and suspicious courtesan is actually hot and suspicious? Abu was all like, yeah, she's a kitsune and she's responsible. Also, she killed like two other kings that we know of with this exact same method. Uh, sorry that your favorite courtesan is actually a murderous fox spirit. Maybe you should do thing- something about that. Oh my god. Anyway, so Tamamo was found out. She fled to the plains of Nasuno, where she was killed by two warriors. Some say it's warriors, some say it's archers. Either way, she's dead. And the stone became known as a seki, a Japanese killing stone. It was filled with toxic gas that was considered deadly to anyone who went near it, or tried to touch it, or do anything to it. Several hundred years later, a Zen monk named Geno was traveling from northern Japan to Tokyo and noticed that birds kept falling out of the sky in this one particular area. He goes to investigate and finds the killing stone. Geno is all like, what on earth is going on? And Tamamo, from the stone, says, 
just say some prayers and get me out of here and I will explain everything. So uh, Geno does. He lights some incense. He says some prayers. Tamamo is out of the rock in a clap of thunder. She does exper- explain everything. Uh, she apparently is still wearing clothing from the Heian period where, uh, during which Emperor Toba was ruling and just explains the whole like, uh, whoops, I attempted regicide and succeeded twice, but was foiled on the third one. Whoopsie doodle. She promises never to hurt humans again and then vanishes into thin air. The end. Huzzah. So from what I could find, um, Tamama no Mai has a similar clout in folklore to King Arthur and Robin Hood, only in that like their stories are numerous and far-reaching and often reflect the values in which uh, the particular stories are being written. But let's just start with the basics. What is a fox spirit? Multi-tailed fox spirits are in general uh, found around East Asia. Again, it's multi-tailed, usually nine. Um, And I'm realizing as I'm saying this out loud that this is probably where the initial premise for uh, Nine Tales the Pokemon came from, which I've been around in the fandom for loosely for 20 odd years and uh, I'm only putting that together now. Wow. In Japan, again, they're called Kitsune and they're a type of yokai, which have a very long life and lots of wisdom and usually magical powers. And yokai are a class of spirits in Japanese folklore. Um, Different folklores have different names for different kinds of things. Yokai is one of the kinds of things in Japan. Um, There are two types of kitsune, uh, the zinko and the yako. The zinko tend to be very benevolent, uh, representative of Inari, who is the Shinto kami of foxes, fertility, agriculture, and sake, among other items. There's quite a range there. Zinko, again, tend to be the positive and helpful versions of the spirits. The Yako version of the Kitsune tends to be malicious and mischievous. The Yako have also been known to be tricksters, depending on the region. Of course, there are always regional stories about Kitsune, just as there are probably regional stories about lots of characters, like Loki and Coyote and other tricksters. According to one source I found, again, I'll link all of my sources in the show notes, uh, Tamama no Mai first showed up in written literature in the middle of the Muromachi period, which was from 1336 to 1573. She shows up in different stories and plays, uh, eventually anime and video games as well, all different sorts of storytelling. One source that I found was actually someone's master's thesis. Um, and they were focusing more on the early years through the Edo period, which is in the, which ended in the late 1860s. But again, as I was Googling around, initially trying to figure out who she was and what the story was, again, she's in a video, a few video games and a lot of, a couple of anime. So those were the initial search results. She also may be considered one of the big bads in, uh, Japanese folklore, sort of like, I don't know, Baba Yaga, I don't want to say Satan because that's more of a religious thing, but, you know, the one of the big sort of counterpoints in culture. Tamama no Mai, I'm going to say this probably a bunch in the script, uh, seems similar to King Arthur, Robin Hood, or Baba Yaga. The stories about her change and vary depending on the decade and who's telling the story. Apparently, one account specifically points out that she's nefarious for two reasons. First off, obviously, for the attempted regicide, but secondly, that she's defiant against the teachings of Buddhism. 
In some endings to the story, she's remor- she is remorseful about defying the Buddha and repents, and sometimes she just stays in the rock. But in some early versions of the texts, the whole rock thing wasn't even part of the story. She just kind of was killed and that was it. The spear embedding into stone wasn't part of the main story until a publication in 1653 called Tamama no Soshi. And so, and Tamamo no Soshi and a related play called Seki introduced the idea of Tamamo repenting for her behavior and eventually the spirit being allowed to rest at the discretion of a Buddhist monk. Before these, Tamamo had been portrayed as a more anti-Buddhist, or at least against the unification of religion and politics, which is fair. And again, what happens to Tamamo post-death uh, depends on what sort of media you're consuming. Before the 1650s, Tamamo is just kind of a conniving spirit intending to commit regicide that gets killed, but uh, from what I could tell, she never had any explicit, early on, never had any explicit repentance for like, whoopsie doodle, I committed regicide, and I feel really bad about that. I don't know why I keep saying whoopsie doodle, but she never really had any negative feelings associated with uh, the whole regicide thing. Again, 1653, about 200 years after the first written text about Tamamo. Those 1653 texts are when she starts showing repentance and starts a journey towards enlightenment, which is relevant to the culture at the time. That's Buddhism was becoming much more prominent and a uh, much bigger deal in Japan at that point. From what I've seen from the texts in the 17th century, it feels a little, I mean, I was about to say it feels a little come to Jesus, but I guess the proper term would be come to Buddha. Either way, point is the repentance of the Buddhism aspects of the tale uh, show up in the 17th century and not really any earlier than that. Later on in the Edo period of uh, Japan is when popular literature started to come about. Just like in general, this happened a lot in like the 18th and 19th century in Europe and America, and it seems like Japan was similar. Uh, Mercantilism was on the rise globally, and so were things like novels and longer-form storytelling being written down. And people were griping that the longer-form written works were corrupting the youths. Due to all of this discourse in the 1780s and 90s in Japan, there were a lot of reforms, specifically called the Kansei reforms, which said that no unorthodox theories were allowed to be published. The Kansei reforms meant that the main topics of literature went from class critique and satire to more revenge tales and fiction, some featuring Tamamo as the super powerful main antagonist. Honestly, it's always been impressive to me how much characters can grow and change over the years, especially if the character has been around for literal centuries. Tamamo no Mai is not the only character to start with a scant outline and grow into something giant in the zeitgeist, obviously. But like, think of like Robin Hood or King Arthur. Like how many tourists go to Sherwood Forest just because, oh my god, Robin Hood! Or how many articles are this random child has found Excalibur, all hail the new ruler or whatever. But it's just some rusted sword in a lake that could have been near where King Arthur fought once, but then it turns out like the sword isn't even from the correct time period as historical Arthur. Or even going like way, way back, Iliad and the Odyssey, like archaeology started as a science because one person was so enthusiastic about uh, trying to find historical Troy that he accidentally threw out historical Troy 
like literally into the trash. Still fed up about that. <laughs> like with uh, Arthurian legend, for example, Arthur is first referenced in Geoffrey of Monmouth's History of the King of Britain in uh, the 1100s. Elements like Merlin and Excalibur were barely referenced, and Geoffrey is the first time anyone even referenced King Arthur in writing that currently survives. Uh, but now we have movies and books and poems and epic tales and a musical and small nods to King Arthur and children's stories. And I think maybe a thinly veiled re reference to the JFK administration, I think. Point being that King Arthur and Tamamo are similar in that the original writers in both situations were a few hundred years removed from the initial events that they were describing. Tamamo was living and apparently trying to kill emperors in the 12th century, but the account wasn't written until about 200 years later. Similarly, Geoffrey of Monmouth was writing in the 1100s, also in the 12th century, but talking about something that happened in the 10th century, um, so the 900s AD. In both situations, the cultural mores and commentaries differ depending on the time period and the cultural context. Both these characters had just the scantest outline initially. They went here, they said this, this thing happens, the end. The mythos grew up as new generations discovered and rediscovered the character, and we reworked the character based on the culture of the generation. But certain elements remained after introduction, whether it's the round table or a spirit trapped in a stone near a volcano. Kind of makes you wonder what the original elements of, like, of the Iliad and the Odyssey were before they were written down and solidified. That is a tangent for another day. But on a final note the stone. If Tamamo really has been unleashed onto the world, we really only have frozen rainwater and erosion to thank for that. Um, apparently, rainwater got into the cracks, and um, when the weather was still cold out, the water froze and the pressure expanded, and eventually the stone broke apart. It happens to plenty of stones around the world, and it would seem that fox spirits would not protect the stone against regular weather events. But thank you all for joining me. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your group chat. Um, shout out to Brian. I'm sorry I missed your tweet from like a month ago. It was really great to hear from you. Um, send me an email with episode suggestions, drearymidnightpodcast at gmail.com. Check the show notes for my sources. Uh, watch out for regicidal fox spirits as you make your way home on this dreary midnight. Good night.